Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Understood. Recorded live. All right. Good evening, everybody. Uh, we've got a great show for you tonight. We've got uh, some, well, I don't want to say it's new technology. It's actually been around for a while, but it's uh, not very well known, but it's actually very, very powerful to those who um, have or have access to what's called the DD-214 discharge papers from the military. And tonight uh, we are going to have Walter Check going over this tonight and how powerful it is and how he's used it to help other people in tough situations. So, Walter, uh, oh, by the way, I don't know, I think I forgot to mention today's date, Tuesday, February 20th, 2018. So, that's today's date. Walter, take it away, my friend. Okay, great. Okay, years ago, back around 2000, right around 2000 or so, I came up with this document. I I uh, got in touch with a guy named Michael Grady, if anybody knows who he is, and he came up with uh, some, some documentation uh, dealing with veterans' rights, and I put together a really good document uh, based on the research. Uh, it goes back to a uh, number of things under 50 USD 5593. It also it ties in with uh, some other acts. Um, this is at, uh, let's move this down here. Um, boy, there's so many different items in here. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I'm trying to move down to the area where it moves into. It was, it's 40 stat, uh, 40 stat, uh, something. I'm trying to get into that. There's so many pages in this document. Say, I just, I was going to start off saying something else here, and then I got, Go into the actual items in here. Um, just bear with me just for a second. Okay. Um, this is a, basically put a valid claim on this uh, based on certain acts that were done on the Soldier and Sailor Civil Relief Act of 1940. And see, page three. Where is it here? I, I'll get it to in a minute. But uh, kind of sum up there. What what this particular item does, I, I put together an affidavit which shows a person who is honorably discharged and and basically uh, gets out of the service, uh, the rights of the act were conferred to him and all his heirs. And the reason why is that they're never lawfully discharged. Okay, They said they have discharged, but they're not discharged because they weren't paid gold and silver coin, gold or silver coin for all of their um, service. So all of the rights are conferred upon them uh, for all their generations henceforth. And there are some major, major errors in here which are really nice. Uh, when you go to court, the, uh, if you have an attorney, the attorney uh, is paid by the court or the other side. 
or the government. You're not you're not actually paying the attorney if you have one. Uh, the other thing is you you have more rights than the attorney. In other words, you can come in and supersede what the attorney does any time, uh, which is a nice key thing. Uh, basically, this will also stop things like foreclosure, credit cards, a whole bunch of things for as uh, payment uh, by the court or in uh, certain items that are required. Uh, here's the item right here. This is on was based on 40 stats 440 and 54 stat 1178. It's known as the Soldier and Sailors Civil Relief Act. And I have the file numbers uh, and all that here too. And some other things with this, which is nice, is that uh, the court, whoever's coming against you, they have to pay all the fines and forfeiture and payment out of their pocket. And the reason why is as a you're considered to be as a member of the military, even if you're a heir of a heir of a, a descendant of a, a person who was in the military, and you have his DD-14, and he or she is honorably discharged. Now, the the nice thing with it, there's a multitude of rights. Hardly anybody knows about this, so you can stop this in, in every area. Now, if you ever notice when you go to court. One of the questions they ask you if you were in the military, and they, and uh, typically you're not, but you have the rights of this act behind you, and they have to swear under punishment of perjury basically that you're not in the military, and they can't really do that. All right, because once you put this in there with all of the supporting documentation, and I can read a couple of things in here from the act. I think you'll find quite nice. Um, this is the uh, Relief Act referred to in other sections, and under Section 520, dealing with default judgments, affidavits, bonds, attorneys, and for personal service, number one, it says, in any action or proceeding commenced in any court, if there shall be a default of any appearance by the defendant, the plaintiff, before entering judgment, shall file in the court an affidavit setting forth facts showing that the defendant is not in military service. If unable to file such affidavit, the plaintiff shall in lien thereof file an affidavit setting forth either that the defendant is in military service or the plaintiff is not able to determine whether or not the defendant is in such service. If an affidavit is not filed showing that the defendant is not in the military service, no judgment shall be entered without first securing an order of court directing such entry, and no such order shall be made if the defendant is in such service until after the court shall have appointed an attorney to represent defendant and protect his interest, and the court shall, on application, make such appointment as a as a condition before judgment is entered, that the plaintiff file a bond approved by the court conditioned to identify the defendant, if in military service, against any loss or damage that he may suffer by reason of any judgment, should the judgment be thereafter set aside in whole or in part, and the court may make such other, make such other and further order to or enter such judgment as in the opinion may be necessary to protect the rights of the defendant under this 
uh, Act under Section 501-593 of the appendix in here, uh, whenever whenever under the laws applicable with respect to any court, facts may be evidenced, established, or proved by an unsworn statement, declaration, verification, or certificate in writing subscribed and certified or declared to be true under penalties of perjury. The filing of such an unsworn statement, declaration, verification, or certificate shall satisfy the requirement of this subsection and the facts be established by affidavit. So does anybody have any questions so far? If you have any questions, hit star 8 on your phone, and we'll call on you. Is that is that it? Do you have any more? Walter? Oh, oh well, I have a, I have a lot more. I, I, this okay, is well, just, why, just why, don't we, why don't we go through with what you have, and then we'll cut it off and then ask for questions about oh, okay, the whole thing. All right, all right. There's, there's, okay. a lot, there's a lot in here. That's why I'm okay. asking at any point. Okay, so I'll, I'll continue on this. Number two. It says, any person who shall make or use an affidavit required under the section or a statement, declaration, verification, or certificate certified or declared to be true under penalty of perjury permitted under subsection 1, that's the one I just read there a minute ago, knowing it to be false, shall be guilty of a misdemeanor and shall be punishable by imprisonment not to exceed one year or by a fine not to exceed $1,000 or both. Okay, that's number two. Number three, in any action or proceeding in which a person in military service is a party, if such a party does not does not personally appear therein or is not represented by an authorized attorney, the court may appoint an attorney to represent him, and in such case, a like bond may be required and an order made to protect the rights of such person. But no attorney appointed under this act, under these sections, 501 to 593 of this appendix to protect a person in military service shall have power to waive any right of the person for whom he is appointed or bind him by his acts. That's extremely powerful right there. In other words, you can supersede what the attorney wants to do and he's, he's out, out of there. Number four, if any judgment shall be rendered in any action, work, work. Okay. While proceeding. Hold on. There we go. Go ahead. Somebody had speakerphone on. All right. Go ahead. Okay, number four. If any judgment shall be rendered in any action or proceeding governed by this section against any person in military service during the period of such service or within 30 days thereafter, and it appears that such person was prejudiced by reason of his military service and making his defense thereto, such judgment may, upon application made by such person or his legal representative, not later than <clears throat> see here, not later than 90 days after the termination of such service, be opened by the court rendering the same as such defendant or his legal representative let in to defend, and that provided it is made to appear that defendant has a meritorious or legal defense to the action or some part thereof vacating, setting aside, or reversing any judgment because of any of the provisions of this act shall not impair any right or title acquired by any bona fide purchaser for value under such judgment. And then um, also any bond requirements in the case are, are waived by this um, affidavit to file impecuniously. Okay, and this is 
this is with the cash memorandum, and this is also with the case of the American Bank and Trust Company et al., Petitioner versus Dallas County et al., under 463 U.S. 855. There's a whole bunch of numbers there, but I'm not going to go into all that. And then, uh, basically, the fines and penalties that are in there that might be are not accruing or cannot accrue for 40 stat, 440 and 54 stat 1178. Again, that's known as the Soldier and Civil Civil Relief Act. And uh, this talks about uh, Section 522 dealing with fines and penalties on contracts. When in action for compliance with the terms of any contract that stayed pursuant to this act, under Section 51593, no fine or penalty shall accrue by reason of a failure to comply with the terms of such contract during the period of such stay. In any case where a person fails to perform any obligation and a fine or penalty for such non-performance is incurred, a court may, on such terms as may be just, relieve against the enforcement of such fine or penalty if it shall appear to the person who would suffer by such fine or penalty was in military service when the penalty was incurred and that by reason of such service the ability of such person to pay or perform was thereby materially impaired. Okay? Then there's more sections in here. I mean, it goes on and on. Now, dealing with foreclosure. I'm talking about foreclosure. Right? Can you recap that just a little bit? Uh, kind of go back and tell us what that means. What I just stated about the previous one: if you have fine, if you have fines and penalties, there is no fines or penalties will accrue uh, with this document because by reason of failure to comply with such contract. Okay, so in other words, there's just by being in the military or having the rights of the act. If someone comes against you with fines or penalties, they can't accrue at all. Real simple. Okay. All right. The next one is dealing with requirements uh, is to stop all foreclosures and accumulation of interest and penalties for the state of execution, again, for 40 stat 440 and 54 stat 1178. Okay, this is under Section 523. You have a stay or vacation of execution of judgments, attachments, etc. Okay, this is really cool. In any action or proceeding commenced in any court against a person in military service before or during the period of such service or within 60 days thereafter, the court may, in its discretion, on its own motion or on, or on an application to it by such person or some person on his behalf shall, unless in the opinion of, court, of the court, the ability of the defendant to comply with the judgment order, order, ordered, entered, or sought is not materially affected by reason of his military service. So you have Part A. It says stay the execution of any judgment or order ordered entered against such person as provided in this act. Okay, and Part B. Vacate or stay any attachment or garnishment of property, money, or debris in the hands of another, whether before or after judgment as provided in this act. And then uh, next one is also uh, Section 532, dealing with mortgages, trustees, etc. I mean, I could wind on all line with this. Number one, the provision, does anybody have a problem with uh, mortgages or, or foreclosure? 
Uh, so the provisions of the section shall apply only to obligations secured by a mortgage, trustee, or other security in the nature of a mortgage upon real or personal property owned by a person in military service at the commencement of the period of the military service and still so owned by him, which, which obligations originated prior to such person's period of military service. Now, in any, and that's part one. Part two, in any proceeding commenced in any court during the period of military service to enforce such obligation arising out of non-payment of any sum thereunder, due or out of any other breach of the terms thereof, occurring prior to or during the period of such service, the court may, after hearing in its discretion on its own motion, shall and shall on the application to it by such person in military service or some other person on his behalf, unless in the opinion of the court the ability of the defendant to comply with the terms of the obligation is not materially affected by reason of his military service. And then that's to, A, stay the proceedings as provided in this act, and or B, make such other disposition of the case to make it be equitable to conserve the interest of all parties. And three, no sale. This is really good. Listen to this. No sale, foreclosure, or seizure of property for non-payment of any sum due under any such obligation or for any other breach of the term thereof, whether under a power of sale, under a judgment entered upon warrant of attorney, confessed judgment contained therein or otherwise, shall be valid if made during the period of military service or within three months thereafter, except pursuant to an agreement as provided in Section 107, Section 517 of this appendix, unless upon an order previously granted by court and a return thereto made and approved by the court. Four, and any person who shall knowingly make or cause to be made any sale, foreclosure, or seizure property defined as invalid by Section 3 hereof or attempts to do so shall be fined. Like these attorneys try to make it all, uh, trying to reverse everything, shall be fined as provided in Title 18. Now think of this, Title 18, U.S. Code, or imprisoned for not more than one, more, not to exceed one year or both. That much. And then, uh, let's see, some other things. I'll just go through some of the aspects of the uh, act here. Okay. So, so what part uh, of the act is that that talked about mortgages? Uh, that's in section, I mentioned in section uh, 532, and dealing with mortgages, trusts, and deeds. And that's part one, two, and the subparts uh, A and B of, of two, and then part three. So can you recap that for us? So basically, what it's saying is is that anyone who's found to be in military service cannot be foreclosed on. Is that right? That's correct. Wow. And, and, and basically, okay. So so also, what you're saying is technically, even if you're discharged, you are still in military service because you have not been properly paid. That is correct. So you, never have you, paid, you have to be paid in gold or silver coin for all of your service. And since, you're not, since that is not done, nobody is really lawfully discharged. 
but basically, the person is in the military in that situation, they are on permanent lawful leave. Get it? Permanent lawful leave. So all the rights are conferred upon them, but not only them, but all their progeny, their wife and all their children forever. Think about it. So it's not just that generation, but it's the generations to follow. Every generation thereafter, because they were never paid. They were never lawfully discharged. Let that sink in for a second. Think about it. it. Does anybody see the value of that? I hope so. That's a very, very key thing here. And, of course, this also deals with with credit cards, all kinds of stuff, you know, properties, you know, seizure properties, everything. It's good. And then, of course, coming from this direction, okay, um, I'm saying that this party here, this, this, this document, by the way, is sent to the, the, the first party that is sent to is the U.S. Secretary of the Interior, the person right now, Who's Secretary of the Interior is Ryan Keith Zink, Zink Z I N K E. But then also it's going to the attorneys, the judge, the clerk uh, in the case who, who's who's trying to preside against you in the case. Say so for example, foreclosure. Say you've got the, the bank coming against you and the attorneys and all that. You put this document in there, they have to pay everything, and, and basically this stays any any uh, foreclosure actions against you. They're stuck. Isn't that great? Hey, Walter. Hold yeah. on, hold on. Uh, you can hit star eight on your phone, and then we'll call on you when we're ready. Hit star okay. eight on your phone to raise your hand, and we'll call on you. So go ahead, Walter. Okay, so uh, so basically, okay, now section, let's say I mentioned 522, let's say, there's uh, so many damn sections. <laughs> okay, I mentioned 532. Okay, so... So recapping a little bit, I meant Section 520 deal, deals with fines and penalties on contracts, et cetera. Okay, so basically all the fines and penalties are stayed. That's 522. But they're also in 532 deal, dealing with mortgages. All that's too, dealing with the um, foreclosures and everything else. Uh, so anyway, so again, that's in Part 3 of that Section 532. No sale foreclosure of property for non-payment of any sum due under any such obligation or for any breach of the terms thereof, whether under power of sale, under judgment, entered upon a warrant of uh, attorney, and such judgment contained therein or likewise. So basically all that is stayed. If you know where, if you know what stayed means, it's stopped. All right. And then... Um, Walter, yes. I think you're um, brushing up against the numbers on your phone. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it away from face a little bit. I, I'm not. I'm not doing that now. It's away from my face. Okay. If you're still doing it, then somebody else. Okay. Uh, so anyway, um, I, I don't want to put the speakerphone on because then it might not. Come no, that's so all right. Clear. That's right. Okay. So uh, this. This goes on and on. The document I have is about 30 pages before it's even before you even put the information in for the for the person I'm working with because it could be a lot longer. And there's so many different parts of the bill and acts. I mean, it just 
uh, incredible. Okay, now some other things too. Uh, see, so they have to recognize these DD two fourteens in the settlement of these cases. Okay, and then some other things I say in there is that person who's has this, whether it's the heir of a V14 note holder or the note holder himself, uh, they cannot pay in unjust wage and measures, okay? And then that's also under uh, House Joint Resolution 192, 73rd Congress, first session, okay? And then uh, that's another one here is that uh, the person is without any funds to pay any amount as filing fees or costs. Because they're because you don't have any funds. Does anybody have any real money to pay with, like massive amounts of gold coins or silver coin? Is that generally accepted in the courts anyway? No. Okay, so you don't have any funds to pay because the funds they say they're out there, they're just military script. They're not they're the Federal Reserve notes are really backed by nothing, by absolutely zero. Next. The person has no real property interest. Think about this. If you don't have any money, you have no real property interest, okay, all of the property that you have is supposedly owned by the state. That's why you have property tax. Isn't that right? So you have have no real property interest. It's a joke. And the next thing, you're unable to borrow any money because you're without... Because the person is fun is without finality to his DG two fourteen, he was never paid in lawful gold or silver coin. Right. Next, um, that person has no insurance policies of any cash value, owns no stocks or bonds, nor does any convertible insurance policies, uh, nor does not own any convertible insurance policies or jewelry. Nobody owns anything. Everything is owned by the state, called the United States, when it comes right down to it. Okay, next is the the person's liabilities equal or exceed his assets. Okay, so uh, actually mostly exceeds. And then four, the next one is um, what maker funds this person has are necessary to support that person and his dependents and are minimal for that purpose, right? Does everybody understand that? That's that's pretty easy fish these days. Number the next one is uh, this person cannot be compelled to resort to filing any ritualistic form, uh, if any, because he he or she lacks the competence to interpret the meaning of the words used. Well, that goes back to the fact that all the statutes, codes, rules, and regulations are written by somebody who knows what the words mean, but we, as as outside of that system, don't, and we never will, probably. So we don't have the we don't have the competence. But actually, another another way I could state it is that when you go in the court, you are disabled because you're incompetent to be able to understand what the words mean. So you should be tra- You should have a special hearing. For being disabled, I, I just I just thought of that, threw this in there, but, but anyway, I think that's pretty cool. Um, and then um, they used to say that you're also not learned in the law, and you declare and assert your unalienable right to protect your privacy and not to be a witness against yourself. And also, if you refuse to waive one right to obtain another, as defined in the Holy Bible. 
All right, so we're bringing some of that in there too. Now, the next thing is uh, the clerk of the court and subordinates owe a lawful duty to this person, uh, the veteran, whoever, through their solemn oath of officer pledge to file this person's papers without delay or evasion of duty, to be compelled to prepay any fees or costs to obtain access to the court in pursuit of justice would work an extreme hardship upon this person and those dependent upon this person as well. Next, this person has been compelled to expend since the filing an enormous amount of funds defending against fraudulent prosecution instigated by a list of, list of people that are coming against you, like the bank, attorneys, etc., or a prosecuting attorney, whoever it may be. Uh, next, uh, this person relies on Clause 39 and 40 of the Magna Carta. The rights of justice shall not be denied, delayed, or sold, and upon well-settled applicable case law in the attached memorandum of law of points and authorities made a part hereof by reference thereto. Next, this person has personal first-hand knowledge of the facts stated as the injured party and statements serving are true, correct, and complete, and not made for purpose of delay or otherwise. This person believes that that is in he's in full compliance with the meaning and intent of the federal rules of civil procedure, Title 28, USC 1915, uh, Section A. Next, this person hereby orders and demands uh, the Secretary of the Interior, in this case. Um, to provide the to provide him with the or the affiant with the schedule of all movable properties or personal personal fees uh, that's p e r s o n a l t i e s and real property fixed on his or her their or their failure to meet obligations in the ex parte action for Admo pro. 01799. That's the one that the case that uh, Michael Grady came out with years ago. And then, um, based on evidence and facts expressed and or implied, in fact presented, recorded in these following exhibits, and made a definite part of is in in its in its or their entirety, this person further demands that the court take. Mandatory judicial notice under Rule 201D of Texas Texas Business and Commerce Code, Section 1.202, which can be stated actually as foreign law outside of uh, Texas or Republic Republic of Texas regarding the admissibility of third-party documents. And typically you take code from one state and put it in another as long as you... uh, State that it's far, it used to be stated as far and wide outside of that. Okay? And this is uh, under document section 1.203 and 2, uh, 103A2, requiring good faith and honesty in fact. Section 1.103, providing for the principles of law and equity, including the law merchant, a principal and agent of estoppel, fraud misrepresentation, duress, coercion, mistake, bankruptcy, etc. in section 2.03, providing equitable remedies for unconciliability. And then um, here's a cool thing, too. Now, I've always been a proponent of demanding 
verifiable claim and proof of claims. I put this in there, Bob. At it says all assumptions and presumptions. Uh, now, first of all, assumptions and presumptions are not fact, right? But they shall be proven in writing, signed and sealed before three witnesses as a valid response, if any, with all unsworn statements presented by you or or the person you're addressing this to. Uh, accompanied by a sworn statement that such unsworn statements shall be unsworn and provide unsworn certification of their statements per, and this is, people ought to look this up, per 28 U.S.C. 1746. That's 28 U.S.C. 1746. And your seal in lieu of attestation per 26 U.S.C. 7514 or sworn statements under the penalties of perjury for 26 U.S.C. 6065. Now, that's, if anybody is familiar with that one, 26 U.S.C. 6065, that deals under 26 U.S.C. that all statements that are made by anybody coming against you have to be accompanied by statements sworn to under penalties of perjury. All right? Now, any further correspondence from these parties that are coming against you, their heirs, agents, or assigns, and, and et cetera, or et al., must be made and signed legally and lawfully under the penalty of perjury. So it puts them in a big box, right? Now, also, this person declares that the signature on correspondence entitled uh, whatever they, comes from uh, to to them, uh, signed and dated at certain times and all that, uh, are unauthorized signatures. And also states that that uh, that person is an inhabitant on the land in itinerary and is not a resident. And a resident, by the way, is only refers to a place for a corporation. So nobody really has a residence at all. We have domiciles, not residents. Okay, so anybody asks if you have a residence, you don't have any. You have a domicile. Next, you further declare that... that um, that you have not received any benefit, no benefit from the use of unauthorized signatures, okay? And also, um, you demand and notice them as follows that referring to them, you know, we do not know you, uh, we do not write to you, you must be a third-party intervener or third-party debt collector, no third parties are allowed, only deal with parties with first-hand knowledge. And also, ask where is EBA registered? They're doing business. Okay, so if they don't have that registered, what are they doing business in that state? Okay, if you do not, if you do not have a registered EBA as of the date of your correspondence to me, then your signature is not authorized. Period. Now, typically, these attorneys, most of them in these states, are not registered. Right? These court officers are not registered. Uh, it's a big sham. Now, are you trying to hide behind another identification? This is to them. Who do you work for? Are you ashamed of revealing your true identity? <laughs> what are you trying to hide? Who are you trying to protect? Okay, and then the next thing is you do not give them permission or consent by assent for making any legal termination. Uh, for, for this party or, or him, him or her, in the above RE or, or what it's about uh, in the 
documents or correspondence, uh, you you may you may have as a third party. So the third parties don't have any first time knowledge, right? Now next all crimes are commercial crimes and the crime for making a legal determination for this person commerce without your without this person's permission or consent by assent is a commercial crime of practicing law hmm. without a license. All right. Next uh, committing a commercial crime being brings on a, a criminal complaint against the bond of the offending person. Now, typically these people coming against you don't have bonds because guess what? They don't work in, they don't work for any government. They all work for corporations. So they have unlimited commercial liability. They're, they can be really be knocked, in, knocked out with that. Next, as a third party... Uh, referring to them or you in this case uh, must be trying to get me or the person here that's doing the letter to allow them or, or, or you uh, to represent I, me, or I, me, we, us, or ourselves in our above our E dealing with the item that they're addressing, uh, making your offers of contract and wanting me to accept. Okay, and that's. Um, they, these parties are incompetent, and your offer of contract for jurisdiction in the above RE is hereby and forever rejected and returned to you unsigned under Truth of Lending and the Federal Fair Debt Collection Act. So there are other acts I didn't discuss tonight, but you have the Truth of Lending. Typically, you have you allow them three days on the contract to turn it around. You give them several more days for allowing for mailing, but that's one. That's under Regulation Z. And the Fair Debt Collection Act, under, which is FDCPA, that that right there has a lot of things in there. That really refers to third-party debt collectors, what they have to do. And not, uh, there's simply the terms you're trying to collect bills and things like this. That, that, that applies to them where they can be individuals when they violate the act. Walter. And that's yes. Will you be in a position to take some questions pretty soon? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, there's, there's about thirty pages. I've only just, oh, just a few well, pages. Yeah. Well, that might be a good place to stop right there. Yeah, I mean, I can so, talk forever. I think we got some folks have some questions here. Okay. Um, Wayne Levin, I think, has his hand raised. Go ahead. Hi. Um, Basically, Walter, all I all I wanted to know was: is has anything superseded what you've said legally? Has there been any uh, amendments to this, or is this no. current? You're you're coming that's from still, that's, still, that's still current. It's never it's never been the the laws have never been abridged, abridged or amended. They're still there. Okay, I see some amendments in 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 uh, the act itself over the years. Most recently, I think 2010 or something. But uh, I don't think it affects what you're talking about, from what no, I understand. No, no, it's still there. Mm -hmm. hey, well, I'm just trying to put it out where people can take advantage of. It. I spent some time putting together this documentation years ago. I did use it in some cases, and the people went in there, and you know, they, they, the courts when they saw this, their hearts stopped. They dismissed the case, and the guy walked out of there. Bang, it was done. 
Well, Tad knows Tad knows a guy that we both know named T.J. Mars, and T.J. was telling me that he had heard a friend of his echo what you're speaking of now years ago, and said somehow or another he said this fellow's convinced me that the DD-214 is indeed a, a, a very powerful uh, uh, document. And then T.J. said further, it's been proven that if you arrive in court in uniform, whether you go buy one, rent one, or whatever. And but of your service that you were in, like me, Coast Guard, I go just go get a Coast Guard outfit and current right. and wear it in there. They they just don't know what to do. This is what <laughs> I've been. Right. No, well, they're absolutely. TJ said this guy walked in and he says you can take the cord over. You know, if you're in uniform well, and you have true. your 14 in, in possession and show it to him, you could literally take the cord over. From what I've heard, that is, that is very true. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of power why, in this. So what you say, and and I'm going to get off the line because you got a lot of questions. But no, that's, that's all true. I had for you. I, I appreciate it, Walter. Uh, and so I can confer that you're valid. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Wayne. Thank you. Um, New York City, you're next. Uh, yes, Walter. Walter, this is Chris. I yes. I have a question regarding the payment in gold or silver, and that. Has that been established in law? I mean, is there a, a reference well, well, that? Uh, well, well, yeah, because it talks about it talks about the the uh, the person being paid, okay, in, in lawful corner being paid. Now, the only way these these vets can be paid is is by lawful money. Federal Reserve notes have never been. Designed as lawful money or lawful coin minted by the treasury. All right. Now, if having established that, um, if you're, if you are a, uh, um, if you're named in a will where the property is yours by in the will, yes. and, and it comes under attack for lack of mortgage payments, would this uh, establish a uh, yes. the use of the? It would. Yes. All right. Uh, the other item is, and I, I, um, what I do is I, I find lawyers' uh, work um, through mortgage foreclosure. Um, this, but you're saying that this, this inures to the family. How far out? I mean, to the the wife that, and the children, or to the wife and the children forever. Huh. All right. Uh, and the other item is, for instance, I, if you are an owner of a corporation which was foreclosed on, does that have any bearing on anything? Well, in your in your foreclosure, basically, if you if you put this in the paperwork before the foreclosure, it will stop the foreclosure, because basically the corporation is really owned by you, as as far as far as being the principal. Yeah, I don't see why not. Okay, I had to ask that question because a couple of my clients have uh, they're operating through subchapter S. Um, all right, well, this has been very helpful. I've been aware of the Soldier and Sailors Act, and uh, I've never looked at it in this uh, way. And I thank you very much, and I'll continue to listen. Sure, sure. As, as more people I have to listen, the better, because I'm trying to get this information out there, and very few people know know about this. They just just a handful, and they should the whole whole world should know about it. Actually, I mean, right. think of all 
think of all the benefits of this. I mean, compared to what people are going through with these courts. Uh, it's called. Well, Walter, it's called may I ask shut, another question? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, you know, I um, I took uh, <laughs> I went to court in state court, and I I had proof that uh, Obama was not a natural born citizen. <laughs> yes, and I had I had McCain and I had Brzezinski and half of his family and everybody there, and the judge freaked out and essentially hit me with a hundred seventy seven thousand dollar fine, and right. that uh, uh, can I reach back and settle yeah. settle that out? Sure, should be able to. There's no limitation on fraud, is there? Oh, by the way, oh, by the way, I forgot. There's 18 U.S.C. 1346. I, I have it in my system here, and okay. dealing with the dealing with the other side who's coming against you fraudulently uh, or committing fraud to to obtain honest service. That's the way it's written, and you're dealing with a hundred thousand dollars or more at a four the security instrument, they can be fined up to up to a million dollars per and and all pretty years. Hey Walter, bail. Walter, you're hitting the side of your phone and we're missing what you're saying. Okay, just hold this better here. I, it's away from my face. I guess kidding. Okay, with fingers. That's I'm fine. sorry. Um, what um, I think is 18 U.S.C. 1346, and there's also some subsections there for other laws for the penalties. But if they're coming against you, they come against you basically committing fraud to obtain honest services. That's what they're trying to do. Okay, and you're dealing with $100,000 or more in a security instrument. They can be fined up to a million dollars per person and and get 30 years in jail per person. We're doing that. Well, Brzezinski's dead, uh, but his sons aren't. <laughs> well, you, you can address it there to the heirs, agents, and signs. <laughs> well, that's tantalizing. You're, you've drawn my attention to this. You know, this is something I've been I've been saddled with uh, as being uh, the only person who has ever been fined at, of that level uh, in the state of New York uh, for a challenging fraud. So it's uh, uh, all right. I'll 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 look over this with great interest. Okay. All right. Yeah, Thank there's, you. There's, there's a lot lot more material I have on this, and I've got all kinds of other laws. I I have must have several terabytes of just legal files in my system here on these big hard drives. I, I've collected over the years between my cases I did for other people and other research I did, so I can pull up virtually anything. I, I use Linux uh, primarily. I also have Windows as far as a virtual desktop, but I use a, a program called Recall. It's R-E-C-O-L-L in Linux, and I, I, I put up any words, whatever I, I can pull up, or I pull up thousands of documents instantly, and uh, you just you know, pull hit on my head just trying to go through everything. <laughs> All right, so um, I think we had S.M. Vincent that was trying to talk earlier. Hi, yes, this is Sherry. Sherry from California. Okay. Hi. um, My dad was in the Navy, and um, I wanted to know uh, how these would affect um, the the siblings um, on, like, real estate that has been foreclosed on. Like, I've had two homes that were illegally foreclosed on, and how can I use these? benefits to reclaim my property. 
Well, I, I haven't done it. I only I only did uh, two or three cases with this and from the time I did it. I made this because most people that I talk with, they don't believe it or they're too ignorant to understand what's going on. <laughs> so, yeah. But I, ha- yeah. I haven't done that as far as recuperating money from the foreclosure. But... Uh-huh. But basically, the foreclosure, the way I look at it, the, the foreclosure, all of those foreclosures are fraudulent. Because yeah, they are. They are. There's no promissory note. So on that basis, I would go back and I would put a case against these people that did this using this particular documentation. I mean, give it a shot. I mean, this is so powerful. They have The other side has no basis to stand on. They have the... It kicks out their legs right out from under them, and if they're trying to sit down, we pull up the chair. Yes. See? So, so how do I how do I get information and help on how to do this? Uh, you well, can contact me through the website at youhavetheright.com. Youhavetheright.com. Yes. Okay. That's great. And I, I've done I've done all kinds of research. I, I did I did this. I came up with what's called the silver bond, and people have heard that. I, I, but I'm the originator of that. I came out with that originally. I came out with uh, an offer on compromise. I deal with that, but we're paying uh, creditors or IRS or state taxes uh, as well. That's a different type of document. I have another one called produced a contract where they have, the other side has to show where the contract is and where the terms are broken and they can't do that. And mm-hmm. it goes on and on. I, I, I got so many documents I made, it makes me have been. But okay. I, I enjoy doing this. I love to help people with this kind of stuff. But is there a way to go about doing this without having to go into the court again? I was in the court for three years fighting for my property, and it's like uh, it was a no-win situation. Well, well, I, I, here's what I would say. I would have put paperwork in the case. That I would first of all, I would file it, file it for for record in the county. Okay, so that way the court can't say they they can reject it because anything that is filed in the county they can't reject. And number two is you put in there as far as complaint against these parties um, with this that you are you are heir of a. Uh, armed discharge veteran, and uh, I can put all the stuff information in my format right here. And the first part, uh, and your RA dealing with what happened, and then what, and then the other area, I will show what you want as a result of this from these other parties. You want you want full reimbursement. Now, oh yeah, while I'm at it, I totally forgot. I came up with a document. And if people don't know this or haven't heard this before, but, you know, a lot of people have equity in their property, right? And But they don't know they have it. So when a person is being foreclosed upon, they never put a lien on the property description for all the money they pay in interest, the, up, the upkeep, the uh, maintenance, uh, improvements, et cetera, and, and also for their time for doing all this. I just oh my did a case here last week, and the person, the person's property is being foreclosed on. The value was three hundred fifty thousand dollars. His amount of, uh, of that he was coming against and setting up a common law lien, uh, which actually supersedes any other lien, 
was 300,000. And now he's still in the property. So the, when that goes in there, the bank cannot move it. The, 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 the uh, title will be permanently clouded until he removes it. Uh-huh. All right? This, that's one thing you could do. Well, my you know, property we have, has, I'm not, I don't have the property anymore. It has been already sold. It doesn't matter. Put a lien on it. Okay. <laughs> and and what type of a lien would that be? A common law lien. Common law lien. Okay. I can, I'm the only one that came up with this stuff. I, I, I keep on thinking constantly. My brain is starting to wear out. <laughs> okay, well, I will contact you at, at your website, and we can talk another time because I have lots of questions. All right. right. Thank you very much. So, folks. Yeah, see, I, I, don't, I don't see any problem with putting the Kamalina on there. I'll tell you why. It's because this is the money you put in the property. This is the equity that you put in in there. This is this has nothing to do with the title of the property. You're just trying to recover your funds that you put in there. Well, I I had one for 19 years and the other one for 10 years, and I put down huge down payments on the property, right. and then right. and then I made payments for all those years. Right. So so I would I would have I would require you have to give me a, a total of what you put in the property from what you put down, and then uh-huh. take all the principal you played into it. Then also all of your what what you put on uh, into the property and improvements and everything else improvements uh, upgrades uh, maintenance uh, and you have people plumbers come and fix things those charges uh, for you for your maintenance for the property mowing the lawn doing this and doing that painting all that stuff too so wow. So basically, I write an affidavit and then I put it, and then I write a claim. Yeah. Well, yeah. You put a common law lien in on the property description. Property description. Okay. Right. So when that house is sold and the person sells it, okay, what will happen is that lien has to be settled first. Okay. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Uh huh. All right. I got it. I understand. All right. Thank you so, so much, Walter. Uh, All right. You guys, if anybody has any questions, hit star 8 on your phone and we'll call on you. So hit star 8. Um, and also, if you have um, any issues that you think that this uh, um Understanding this information can help you with uh, contact us through the website at youhavetheright.com, and we'll see if there's anything that can be done. I also uh, wrote, I wrote a book recently. A cat has on the site too. It covers right. a lot of stuff in there. It's 500 plus pages. You wrote a book? Oh yeah. Oh okay, that would be helpful. Yeah, Ted has Ted has on the site. You can get it there too. Very good. It covers a lot of things. Uh, it covers laws and the basis of law uh, and why we should challenge authority and how to do it. Okay. So I can get that at your um, youhavetheright.com? Yes, yes. You can send me an email. I can send you the link. Okay. I will do that. 
Okay, somebody from California has a question here, Walter. Go ahead. Hi, uh, my name is John Rodriguez. Um, I'm a, a Marine. Uh, I was served uh, during the Vietnam era, and uh, okay. I, was, I was out of work for about nine months, and my home just recently went into foreclosure. Okay. So uh, what, what are my next steps here? Well, I would put this in right away. If you have a, in addition, to, this is an affidavit to file impecuniously. That's what I call it. Do you know? Do you know what the word impecunious means? No, I don't. It means without money. Okay. All right. Now, do you have a power of attorney, copyright, hold harmless, indemnity agreement, and a security agreement for your name? No. Okay. I have to do those. Okay. Also, uh, I recommend to have a silver bond. That that would help, too. Although with this, you're not really required to have one, but it's still good to have it. Um, so the affidavit to file impecuniously would put in there. Basically, that would stop the foreclosure. Okay? But you also, your name should be copyrighted and, and uh, have power attorney and other things there, too. And all that's filed with, with the uh, can recorder, and then you can take all these documents including this one is probably the case. Come on. There we go. Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> uh, can I uh, follow up on the website with you? Okay. Go ahead. Got some jackass in Texas that's doing this. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to. Uh, 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 what I plan on doing is following up on the, your website with you. Yes, if you would go ahead. You can hit the contact link and uh, send me a message, and we'll uh, set up a time to talk. Very good. Thank you. I appreciate this. All right. Well, I think we're at our hour here, Walter. Okay. So, wow, powerful stuff. Well, so you get. I try to make it real powerful because people need something powerful to stop these parasites out there. No, the attorneys and the courts. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so um, you guys, if you have if you have any kind of case or something that you think you might Shake need help booty, with, baby. go Shake ahead it. and go to youhavetheright.com. That you have the right dot com you and send us a message. So, all right, Walter, thank you very much. I'm going to call it an evening, and you guys, thank you very much. We'll catch you next week. Bye bye. Great. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.